Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders are driving me crazy a little bit. Uh, they played pretty well in two games in Pittsburgh. Came away with no points at all. They played like stank ass against Buffalo on Monday. Came away with two points, mainly because the Sabres are also, in fact, stank ass. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to believe anymore. It's really, It's really playing with my mind in a very bad way. It was uh, about as confusing a week as you can imagine. And, it, it you know, it, it was so frustrating on so many different levels. Like there was the the whole Crosby thousandth game thing and people telling you. I, I just can't get my mind around why people tell you, fans, like you have to feel this way about this player. Like I hate Sidney Crosby. He's <laughs> tormented me for the past 16 years of my life. I'm 30, 30. So that's more than half my life that this guy has basically just tormented me. Um, do I think like, you know, he's a great hockey player? Sure, I do. Do I care that I like should it matter to anyone else that I hate this guy and I don't care that it's his thousands game and, you know, I got to watch, you know, 20 different people tell, you know, through a video, give him a video tribute before a game. It was that whole thing just like threw me off too. Like it was just that including putting that with those games Everything kind of just from the goodwill that we had last week kind of just got turned upside down. Uh, and I was just kind of angry throughout the whole time, even when they won on uh, Monday night. Like I was just kind of angry because I'm like, well, I don't know what to believe anymore because they played well, lost, played bad, won. And it's just I'm just confused with with everything right now and, and mad. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at, too. Um, you know, I, I kind of lost my head a little bit after that second game. Well, let's just talk about the games real quick. So. Thursday uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, 3-2 Penguins win. Uh, the Islanders played really well in the first period. Uh, outshot the Penguins 16-4. to There was no score. Letang scores on a power play. Um, Eberle ties the game. And then, you know, it looked like uh, the Islanders were going to do something good. They played pretty well in the third. Nelson scored early. Uh, it's nice to see him checking in. But then, like, Mike Matheson scored. And, like, Mike Matheson has all of a sudden become, like, this Islanders nemesis. I don't know what's gotten into him the last couple of games, but all of a sudden he's out there like like Paul Coffey in his prime with the Penguins. Um, he scores. Latang scores again. And that's it. And the game is over. And it, it you know, you, the, coming out, out off of the, 
the big wins against Buffalo earlier that week. Yeah, we know it's the Sabres, but like still, the, you know, the Islanders were riding this streak and it looked like things were going to go pretty well, but it just didn't. I mean, they ended up, they outshot the Penguins 35 18, which is pretty good. Oliver Wallstrom looked really good and they did some good things. You know, Barry Trotz even said, maybe we deserved a point there, but they didn't get it. And so it was one of those very frustrating games. And then Saturday's game was almost even worse because they arguably played even better. And none of it mattered because they lost four to one. Um, you know, Crosby, of course, got a goal. Uh, Nelson turned the puck over. I don't know what happened after there. Very strange. It just sort of went in. I don't know. I guess Varlamov wasn't ready. Obviously, it happened right in front of him. Um, the Islanders killed a five on three. And I, I mean, I don't remember. I'm not trying to be facetious. Like, I don't re- literally don't remember the last time the Islanders killed a five on three power play. Uh, as efficiently as that, they, they did great. And then they immediately gave up another goal to Teddy Bluger. Uh, and then from then on, it was just all Penguins. And that was it. <laughs> the The only uh, the only uh, kind of interesting thing that happened was uh, Scott Mayfield's hand got tied up in Evgeny Malkin's helmet for some reason or whatever. But uh, it just, um, you know, they played fine for two periods and then things sort of fell apart. And I was even more angry because, like you said, that was Crosby's 1,000th game. You know, you had this feeling that, like, there was no way they were going to win this game anyway. And then you have to kind of, like have to have this parade. And again, like Sidney Crosby is a great player. <laughs> I don't really want to watch this whole parade. And like, they have all these video tributes of all these other guys around the league. And there's one guy who was involved who, you know, you know, was there. The Islanders weren't even on the ice. Like they were in the locker room. You know, that he was there just to spite us, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's, it's at that level of paranoia. And I know I'm being crazy, but like, that's the level of crazy I was at. And then for them to lose that game in that fashion, made me even crazier. And I was pissed off that night. I was pissed off the whole next day. And I was pissed off all Monday, even after the Islanders beat Buffalo in a 3-2 game that we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, yeah those two games were... Yeah. It's frustrating. It, and the whole point, the reason like um, um, I was so like, actually, I was much more shook up than, or shaken up than I thought I would be about the Crosby thing. Because like once, once I heard Brendan talk say or... Butch say that his thousand, his thousand thousand his thousandth game was coming up in their next game against the Penguins. I was like, oh great, like that is going to be insufferable. Um, but you know, I didn't really think about it too much after that until we got to the ceremony, and I, and then the whole hockey Twitter was like, you mm-hmm. know, falling over themselves about Sidney Crosby. Which like it doesn't matter if it's game six hundred and thirty or a thousand with Crosby. Like people, no matter what, like people just can't help themselves. At, but grovel at his skates like it's just who he is he's he he's an incredibly important player to the league i understand that like when him and ovechkin came in the nhl was on the oln network because on outdoor life network like they both have a huge uh they both done a huge amount of work to get the nhl back towards like some sort of popularity uh but like it's just it's 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 becomes like a parody of itself of people like one-upping themselves of Oh well, you know, I, my favorite Sidney Crosby memory is this, and my favorite Sidney Crosby memory is that, and like you, you just don't need it. And it's okay if like you hate Sidney Crosby, like it's okay, like it's it's nobody nobody should tell you how to be a fan. This I don't has this guy given any of us any joy? You know, that's that those are the, t- the you should the point of rooting for someone is because they bring you joy. I mean, I don't know anything that Sidney Crosby's done for for the islanders to give us joy i can't even think like of a goal he scored against the rangers and like the playoffs or anything off the top of my head like i can with like alec martinez and adam henrique like those guys like i don't nothing really comes to mind with him so it's okay for me not to like him like i don't want to root for him i don't want to sit through a thousand game ceremony for him i'd much rather you know, watch the uh travis zajac the next day got his <laughs> same same honor bestowed on him i'd much rather watch that even though you know you know, Travis Ajak is about as vanilla an NHL player as there is, but it's I, just. But I, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I didn't know that Travis Ajak was playing his 1,000th game until I turned that game on because there was nothing else on Sunday afternoon, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, now obviously, look, there's a huge difference between Travis Ajak and Sidney Crosby, but like it is so funny how a guy playing literally in the the state the same state I'm sitting in right now as I speak to you into this microphone, I had no idea that Travis Ajak was playing in his thousand. I didn't know he was healthy enough to play in a thousand <laughs> games, especially in the last couple of years. He probably should have hit that mark 
five seasons ago, you know, like, but, but, and, um, and, but that's the point is like, it's, it's Sidney Crosby doesn't seem like the type of guy like who cares that much about it. Like I'm sure it means a lot, like I get it, but it's everybody else is doing this for him kind of like ethos. It's, it's blows my mind. It makes me so mad. Uh, and then, so you, so you get angry watching that. And the first 10 minutes of the game are just going great for the Islanders, except it comes pretty obvious. Like this, there's some sort of hockey universe karma thing working against them because of Crosby, you know, playing this thousandth game. Like there's, there's just no way they're going to win this game, no matter how well they play. And that's basically how the game kind of turned out. And instead of, you know, the only person who, you know, only people who noticed that were Islander fans, Barry Trotz, whatever, like they played well, but lost and whatever. And while everyone else was kind of just like talking about how great it was that, you know, oh, his good buddy, Chris Letang scores two goals in, mm-hmm. in this game and uh, to get him his win and, and, you know, on this huge night, like it's shut up. Like it's just annoying. <laughs> and, and it's kind of just go, it just adds more fuel to this fire of the way the sport has been covered um through through this this kind of weird season uh because it's and it's not getting better it seems like every day becomes more exhausting yeah no but you you bring up a good point though in that like the thing about Crosby is he is having this stuff sort of foisted upon him and I think a lot of that has to do with who he's been this entire time like he is if Travis Ajak is a vanilla hockey player like what is Sidney Crosby like Outside of Pittsburgh and maybe maybe a couple of other places, like would any if would anybody even recognize him? Like if Sidney Crosby walked into my office, had I still been in an office, like he would not be recognized by anybody but me and two other guys I work with. Like that's you know, and even then, out of context, he might not even be. You know, I might be like that guy looks familiar. Do I know him? Like oh yeah, right. Like and that's say, the wait, thing. Is, that, is Blake Coma wearing a wig? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they do look a lot alike. It's creepy, but um. Like, that's the thing. Like, he is having all of these things projected upon him by this, the you know, the, this sort of machine. And again, that's not to take anything away from what this guy has done. I mean, you know, he, he was an early star and really brought them into this sort of era. I mean, I think people will eventually talk about this as like sort of the Crosby era, the way there was a, a Gretzky era and the Lemieux era. But like, or the Eisenman era, I don't know, whatever. But like, it's, you know, he is, it, it does feel a little bit like you are being kind of, foisted into this thing and and the other thing that i find it funny is that like you we you were thinking it i was thinking it islanders fans everywhere were watching this game rolling their eyes or maybe not even watching it and i the one thing i could think of that's good is that i guarantee you that fans in philly washington and probably manhattan would also have thought the same thing like just like can you imagine if that was a game against the capitals and you're sitting there as a capitals fan watching or a game against the flyers and you're a flyers fan watching it like they feel the same way why do I have to, what, I'm not going to give this guy any credit. Like <laughs> this guy has not, done nothing but torture me for his entire career. Like why would I, you know, is, are all these wins and points not enough? I got to give more to this guy. <laughs> He's taking everything from me. What else is he going to take? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and, right. and it's just, that's the, that's why it makes me so mad. Like it's just the insufferable way that we're being told like there's, this is how you're, this is how you're supposed to hockey fan. You do it this way. You, right. you you respect the opponent and you cheer for him because he's really good. Um, and, you know, every beat writer from Arizona to Brompton, Ontario is telling you that's what you got to do. Uh, and it's just it's that's I just don't think that happens in other sports. And actually, on um, 31 Thoughts today, like they were talking about, Elliot Freeman was asking. He, he brought up a bit that that uh, they do on Inside the NBA with with Charles Barkley All and right. Elliot Freeman was like, that you know people love it but it wouldn't work in the nhl media because you know fans don't have the same sense of humor and i thought to myself no it's because we know charles barkley doesn't take himself that seriously whereas everybody that we watch on tv in the nhl we know does and like that is like their life mission is to take themselves more seriously and be the most professional like embodiment of what it means to be a hockey beat writer they want to be the next grant land or whatever like this is it's it's just that's the problem and that's that all kind of bubbled up in a weird way uh for this game on saturday wherever it was yeah the the bit in case anybody didn't hear it is uh apparently every year at the beginning of the season charles barkley does a bit where they ask what what team is he on and they ask him these like random players and he has to guess what team they're on and he never gets it right because these are all like bench guys or sixth man or fringe guys or you know whatever and they were, Jeff uh, Merrick and, and Elliot Friedman were talking about whether or not that would work in the N- 
in a NHL. And Merrick was like, well, yeah, if you got somebody like Kevin Bieksa or somebody to do it, who's like got a sense of humor. And Friedman was like, no, they would get eaten alive. They'd get eaten alive if they didn't know who was on every team. And I, I tend to agree with Elliot there. But the funny thing was listening to it as an Islanders fan, all I could think of was that entire list would be Islanders. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> like, if you, like if you asked, especially a guy like Bieksa, let's just take him, you know, as a, as a you know. As an example, it's a guy who's played in the Western Conference forever. He does not know who Michael Dow Cole is. I promise you that. I promise you. And so is would it be funny for Kevin Bx to be like, I don't know who Michael Dow Cole is. Oh, he's an Islander? Oh, well, that's why. It, it, the whole list would be Islanders and Devils, basically, because nobody's ever heard of any of these guys. Um, and it's just, it, it, it is different. And, and again, the, the other funny thing about that episode of 31 Thoughts was that they were talking about how everybody hates the North Division now because... Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid are piling up goals and points against, you know, junior teams, essentially against teams like the the senators and Canucks. Um, but I was jumping out of my skin. And if I had more, uh, you know what I would, uh, you know, message or email Elliot and be like, I think the reason people hate the North division isn't because Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews score a lot of goals. It's because you guys have no reason to talk about any other division now. Like, you're done. Your job is over. You talked about leaps. You talked about the Oilers and what's going on with the Canadians and how bad are the senators and you're done. Like, so teams like ours, which never get any attention anyway, aren't going to still going to get even less now. Like that's, that's why nobody likes this division because you have completely given way to that division. The stars and lightning were in the Stanley cup final a few months ago. Have you heard anything about them at all? Other than the stars had some games, unfortunately postponed because of, the, the weather emergencies in Texas, like that's it. You've never heard anything about mm-hmm. these, either of these two teams it, because nobody cares. Like half of the media doesn't pay attention to them anymore because they're Sunbelt teams and we have our own division. But and but then they come and they parachute in for right. Sidney Crosby's thousandth game <laughs> and they tell you, here's the here's the um, the playbook on how you have to act right. during this ceremony as an opposing fan. And if you say anything bad about him, you're just you're not a real hockey fan. Mm. And it's the the person I always think about because you know it's a bit with us obviously when we talk about <laughs> the Islanders being anonymous and whatever. But there's one person that always comes to mind when we bring it up, and it's Drew Doughty because mm. back in 2019, I think it was Trotz's first year, I think Doughty said he, he that he's like never watched an Islander game before, and he's like, I know that they have that Barzell guy, and I think I think Anders Lee is pretty good, and that was he's like that's about it, like, that's right. all he knows, and I'm like that is. Drew, like I'm happy he said it. I'm like, thank you, Drew. Like between him, him, that and the, there's a Jason Demir, Demers tweet from the night that Tavares returned. Oh yeah, like, yeah. where yeah. he's like, hell hath no fury like an Islanders fan scoring. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just so happy that these guys like you know at least say something. Like they get like okay, like you know Drew Drew Doughty being like saying the quiet part loud, and then uh, Jason Demers you know saying like, oh no, I I totally kind of see like these these fans deserve credit for for the way that they're showing themselves here rather than, you know, being lampooned for, for not welcoming this guy back. And it, <laughs> and it just all comes back. Like the, the Crosby thing is the same kind of way. Like if, if that, I really wish that game, I, I, I really try not to think like this because there's nothing anyone can do about it. And I hate hearing the announcers. They say it all the time during like the premier league games I watch and whatever, like, Oh, fans were here. Like the place would be bouncing. And it just makes me mad. Cause I'm like, they're not there. We know they're not there. Please stop saying it. But I was almost thinking that one time, one thing I was thinking was I really wish that if, if the, that game, that Crosby game took place at Nassau Coliseum for one reason. I, I mean, I know that I, I would rather them not play the, <laughs> the Penguins for that game, but whatever, you know, it was going to happen. Uh, I just would love for that, the reaction from the Coliseum crowd. I have no idea what it would be. I think it would be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope it would be, I like, you know, booing and whatever. And, uh, because I would have loved the next three or four days for that to be discussed um, <laughs> about, you know, these, these right. fans just can't help themselves. They're, they, they, they keep proving time and time again that they're the most annoying fan base in the world. And they wonder why we all hate them. And like, yeah, well, they wouldn't like, have done anything. Like, I think it would, you know, it would have been a known thing, but right. it wouldn't have done. And then they would have had like a, a ceremony whenever the penguins went back to there. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we would have, you know, they would have uh, roasted him the way they've been roasting him for, whatever 15 years you know it never it never ends um i did i heard something i think it was on that 31 thoughts podcast that was something about how gracious hockey fans are and i'm like did nobody remember the uh Tavares return game but i guess not 
But uh, uh, in any event, um, so those that weekend was very frustrating. Like I said, I was still pissed off the next day and then the day after that. And so the Islanders had a Monday game against uh, the Sabres, who they had played a, literally a week earlier. And, you know, again, the Islanders deserve credit for playing fairly well in those two games against the Penguins, even though they came away with no points. And so I thought, well, that's going to continue. Sure, why not? Monday's game comes on and they were terrible. First period was shots were 12 to three Buffalo. And I'm not even sure it was even that close. Like it was bad. Uh, Curtis Lazar of all people who has more goals right now than I think I saw was Eichel Hall, Oposo and Skinner combined <laughs> made it one, nothing uh, for the Sabres. And I, I just, I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I, it was really really bothering me and the fact that it was buffalo kept it close like it was only one nothing going into the second uh anders lee scored a beautiful goal um one of the prettiest he's ever scored in his career and you thought okay well maybe they're on their way now and it it was a more even period for sure his shots were i think seven to eight in favor of the islanders but like still was not good and you're like looking at the tv like Dude, these guys are not good. You a week ago, you ran them out of their own building. <laughs> For God's sake, what are you doing out there? The whole team looked like they played as if they had forgotten that they had they didn't have an office Christmas party and decided to have one that afternoon and then go out and play. <laughs> like that's that's the way it looked like they were playing. And the third period wasn't really all that much better. It was it was a lot more open. Again, the shots were kind of even, but like I would hardly say that the Islanders were the better team in it. It was pretty even. Matt Martin scored a surprise goal, and you thought, okay, just lock it down and get the hell out of there. The Sabres tied it again. Sam Reinhardt on the power play. Their power play is really good, and you can't give them chances because they're going to score. And then, finally, the guy we all love, a guy we truly all love, J.G. Pajot scored on their own power play goal, and uh, they walked out of there with a 3-2 win, and um, the shots were overwhelmingly in favor of the Sabres. Simeon Varlamo was fantastic. He's the only guy I would say that actually kind of showed up. Oliver Walston, too, had a pretty good game. He's going to get another goal, a real goal one day, and he's going to the floodgates are going to open. But that was not good. And I and I said so on Twitter, and people were like, well, they played really well on Saturday and lost, so this is kind of like balance. And it's like, well, yeah, I could see that sort of like from a cosmic yin and yang perspective. I get that. But, like, there's a huge difference between playing well against a good team and losing and playing poorly against a bad team and winning. Like there's, they're both frustrating. One is frustrating, like in the moment and the other is frustrating in the future. Like, what does this mean going forward? And that's why we both started saying, I don't know what to believe anymore, because if they play that way against Boston on Thursday, they're going to get their shit wrecked. Like, <laughs> let's just be honest. And then they play the Penguins again, Saturday and Sunday. And so they have no chance to win any of those games if they play even almost like they played Monday. And that's what bothers me. You just, I don't know who to trust, like on this team, basically outside of the, the way to look at that game against the Sabres was the Islanders, the Sabres are bad enough that the Islanders that basically had four players show up and they beat them. And those, I mean, obviously <laughs> one of them was a goaltender, which makes a huge right. world of difference, but like JG Pajot, uh, Oliver Wallstrom and like Matt Barzell to an extent were the only ones who really showed up. I guess maybe like you can say that whole Barzell line, but other than that, like you, I I'm, it's just getting incredibly frustrating because the whole point of this team, the whole ethos of this team is to be consistent, to be the person, the player you're supposed to be uh, every night. And you're just watching these, these peaks and valleys from guys who shouldn't be doing that because like their peaks aren't that high. And I'm talking about like, like Scott Mayfield, for example, is like one day he shows up and he's just solid. He plays a solid game. He's effective uh, in front of the net and whatever. But then he makes these calamitous errors and you're just like, why are you doing this? Like, this is not who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be the guy who, who like is afraid to do that kind of thing and kind of just plays safe. Um, he, I mean, even the goal that Nelson scored, he got really lucky because he batted a puck out of the, out of midair on the blue line. And if he had missed that, which basically he misses that puck to eight out of 10 times, I think any player in the universe does, it's a two on one going the other way and the Penguins are scoring. Um, but just because he got a piece of it and got the puck to Nelson, the Islanders end up scoring. Uh, and then the next game he follows that up with, he gets walked by Tobias Reader of all people, like the fourth line, like fringe NHLer turns the puck over that leads to a goal. Um, it's just, it's, and, and him and like, you know, Cal Clutterbuck too, to an extent, like these guys are, they're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff because 
the way that they pay off is by not doing those things and chipping in, you know, in an odd game, uh, you know, here and there, like they're not, we're not counting on Cal Clutterbuck and, and Scott Mayfield to, to contribute every night, but we are counting on them not to, you know, pull an uncle right. Leo, you know, we're, right. we're trying, we're, we're, we're counting on them just to be trustworthy players. And that's not what they're doing right now. And that is, that is the whole problem with the team is like the team that we saw against the Penguins, especially on, on Saturday night for the Cindy Crosby parade was really good. And you're just like, this is the team we saw against the Bruins. Like everyone's doing what they're supposed to do to, to, for the most part. Uh, and then you watch them against the Sabres and nobody is. And you're just like, I don't know who I can trust. I don't know who on this team I can trust at all. Um, besides the, the guy wearing the mask and, you know, the first line basically. And, and the guy behind J- the bench. That's yeah, and J.G. Pajot. Like, that's it. Like, like <laughs> I don't have enough words to describe J.G. Pajot. He was great the whole game, I thought. I'm like, he's the only person, like, flying around the ice who looks like he skipped the office Christmas party, basically. Like, he is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's all over the place. He's scoring. Um, and it was just uh, baffling. It was so baffling to watch. Um, and, and like you said, like now you're like the, the reason, like, I just remember exhaling after that Sabres game and being like, I'm so relieved just because two, two losses in a row to the Penguins where they played all right. That's annoying. It's not good. If they had lost this game against the Sabres, it would become kind of a crisis because of what they're dealing with coming up the, the second half of the week. Um, and you can easily be seeing this team drop, you know, five of six or even six Mm. of six or whatever. Um, so like, thank, thank God they got those two points, but just the way that they went about it, um, it's just, it's just not what I wanted to see. Cause it really looked like they had, uh, you know, putting, they were putting things together coming off those, you know, that, that eight game point streak or whatever it was, plus the, you know, decent games against Pittsburgh. And now you're like, you're left wondering and head scratching and the numbers still are pretty good. Like they, they're decent. They have, I think they're like sixth in expected goals percentage. Like their defensive numbers are really good uh, this year. and they're, but like, and there are guys like Nick Letty and Mayfield. I think have decent numbers on the season. But then you watch them play, and you're like, I don't, I don't get it. Like how, mm-hmm. how are they grading out so well when when they're both, you know, sh- one night they show up and they look decent, and the next night they show up and they look like yeah, they're they're hammered. And you're just like, what's going on with this team? And um, it's this huge. I just hope to God that the next you know week or so is a little bit like calmer. Uh, and more matter of fact, because I don't know if I can take another three games like that. Yeah, no, tell me about it. And I know that they've beaten the Bruins twice already this season, which is almost a miracle, <laughs> a minor miracle in and of itself. Um, they're going to have to find a way to do it again on Thursday. It'll be Boston's first game since the uh, the Lake Tahoe uh, experience where they beat the hell out of essentially the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Like there's there are six flyers on the COVID list and they include guys like Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek. I think I think um, uh, Scott Lawton. I think Travis Sanheim. Like these are all like some of their best. Their top six forwards are all on the COVID list. So the Bruins didn't have to play them, and they won accordingly. So the Islanders are going to need to to win that game, and then they, again, like I said, they have two games against the Penguins again Saturday and Sunday. So get your Ilya Sorokin counter ready for at least one of those games, and uh, they're going to need to find at least a way to win one of them because if not, like you said. You could see easily see them dropping three in a row. And according to this tweet from Eric Hornick, um, starting Thursday is actually going to be the busiest stretch in Islanders history. They're going to play 19 games in 33 days between the 25th of February and the 29th of March. So they have no no two days off at any point. And uh, it's just I mean, you know. That's a crazy amount of games to play, and these are not going to be easy games. They're games against the Flyers, against the Rangers, against the Bruins, I believe. I think they're done with the Penguins for the most part. There might be another one in there or two. But uh, this is going to be the Capitals. Like, this is going to be hard. It's going to be a hard 19 games, and they can't afford. I mean, if they're going to play one of those games like they did on Monday, I guess it's best to do it against the Sabres. Uh, again, like you said, don't really need that much to, to lose. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope Barry Trotz is doing this. And again, I trust him, but, uh, any, any, any kind of slip up or, or bad period. And all of a sudden, you know, things are going to look dire in a hurry. And I mean, we saw that period, the exact same period earlier this season in Washington, when they gave up five goals in, in basically 10 minutes. And it's, it was like, what is happening right now? This is not this team. Uh, yeah. So we're a little <laughs> fired up about last week. 
So we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to come back and talk about some guys that aren't Islanders that uh, maybe were Islanders or probably could be Islanders in a, in a separate dimension. Um, before we do that, please make sure to leave a review for us on iTunes and put your Twitter handle in the review. Uh, this is your last week to do it in order to win uh, swag at the end of the month from eBay, courtesy of Mike. So do that today. Do that this week on iTunes. Put your Twitter handle in there. Tell us what you think of the show. Hopefully it's a five-star review and uh, you have a chance to win some uh, eBay swag before uh, the next month. Okay. So we're going to take a break and we'll come back in a minute. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have Long Island Ducks. They have the New York Golden Blades. They have New York Rovers. They have New England Whalers. They have Columbus Chill in jersey form. Check it out. I think the pre-orders are filled, but check it out. Maybe if you're interested, let Kevin know. Maybe he'll he'll do another run. Uh, They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts. They are on sale there, and our portion goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can use the code Lighthouse15, save 15% on your order. It's vintageicehockey.com. Uh, okay, so I want to hold on to Sabres for a second because I want to talk about Jeff Skinner. So Jeff Skinner was scratched in his uh, game, the Islanders-Sabres game on Monday. He is scratched right now, sitting in a press box uh, in New Jersey while his teammates play the Devils. Um, things are not looking good for Jeff Skinner. He has one point on the season. He has a $9 million average annual value salary. He's not playing with Jack Eichel, who you think he would be playing with, uh, or Sam Reinhardt, who I believe is their second line center. He's playing with guys like Curtis Lazar and um, Riley Sheehan, and that's really not helping the situation either. He had a down season last year. He had 40 goals the year before, which is when he scored, he's nailed that contract down. Since then, he's had like 14 goals or something. And it's not looking good. And here's where I kind of get a little bit mad because, you know, I there's a, an article I'll put a link to in Buffalo News by Travis Yost, pretty smart guy, who says, you know, part of the problem with Skinner's production is that he's playing with guys that aren't offensive generators like Curtis Lazar, like Riley Shane, like a whole host of other sort of below, you know, the level Sabres guys. And he needs a, a playmaker or a creator, a facilitator to make him a better player. Well, that sounds like Matt Barzell to me, but at $9 million a pop for the next, what is it, like six or seven years or something like that, Jeff Skinner ain't coming here. I don't care how many guys the Islanders want to trade. And, and, and the Sabres aren't going to want who like Ladd and, you know, Leo Komarov and guys like that. They're not going to want them. So um this would be a great situation if not for basically everything else <laughs> around it. If you could make this trade in NHL 21, I, I, you probably could and probably be pretty, probably pay off pretty well for you, but uh, it's not going to happen. So it is, it's a little hard to read all these stories about Jeff Skinner not producing and not be like, damn, how great would that be? <laughs> Skinner and Barzell is has to be fast and just lighting up the nets up and down the, the East Eastern seaboard, you know, but man, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. There's really, the only name that really comes to mind that I think would be a hilarious trade would be if they traded him. Obviously, I think Sergei Bobrovsky has a, a no trade clause <laughs> because he basically... It's sort was, of Skinner, I think. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, imagine waving the no trade clause to go from Miami to Buffalo, um, you know, and as a in losing not only that, like then losing, no, going from no state tax to New York <laughs> state taxes and uh, not living in New York City to, you know, 
at least make good like make reason for it but that's the only one i think and it it it's just funny because you and this kind of goes back to that same point it's like jeff skinner being scratched for two games in a row uh is like if could you imagine if it was Ilya mikhayev or uh you know zach cassian or something like it's just like this the the, the, the entire country of canada would stop but jeff skinner it's just people don't really realize it and and because he's an untradeable asset like what's what's the solution going to be I, I, I feel like they're just the nhl has with this flat cap like has kind of just like worked itself into a corner because of how many bad contracts are out there that at some point like i guess the players association is going to have to be like all right like we're going to need to get a compliance buyout thing worked out because there's just so many guys there's just so many of them like mm. you, you get surprised when you hear of a guy who's like on a decent decent contract like <laughs> it's just like oh no like no that's a contract that you can trade it's like i know because jeff skinner it sucks because jeff skinner if if this was the case and he wasn't on this attached to this horrible contract uh you know it'd be fun it'd be fun to speculate uh, about where he would he would end up next and that's obviously not the case and the hilarious thing about the sabers is like they go out they bring in Eric Stahl and T- Taylor Hall, um, mm. neither of whom have done much. But like, obviously, like you went out and invested in your offense pretty heavily over the past couple of years, uh, and it, you're not doing anything. And you have Jack Eichel, who's one of the better forwards in the league. There's got. I don't think it's the players. Like at some point, you got to wonder, like, what's going on elsewhere, and you know, with coaching or whatever it is, um, because I, the Sabers are about to play themselves into a hilarious spot where jack eichel's name is going to be all over the place oh, yeah. uh re- relatively because obviously he, he he does play close enough to canada that people will talk about him but uh it's his name his his name taylor hall again like it's going to be all over the place it's going to be they're going to be the kind of uh tire fire as bruce Ar- bruce arthur would say uh <laughs> to, to to watch uh around the tra- the trade deadline because they like they're gonna have to tear it all down again which is like you feel bad for sabers fans you know i'm still not over the the uh the playoff series from 2007 so i, I really don't <laughs> like the sabers i don't i don't think that 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 uh series was on the up and up it was and, a long time and and many many uniforms ago <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's just they're gonna be a mess they're gonna be an absolute mess yeah. to to watch well, Eichel's name is already creeping out there and like i wrote this week you know once once elliot friedman starts talking about it you know people are talking about it but again, he's another guy with like a huge, huge ticket. I mean, you know, he doesn't want to be moved. The Sabres didn't plan on moving him. And, you know, every team could be like, oh, we should get him. But like the chances of that happening are, are pretty slim because that would be a monumental PR disaster for them to like trade this guy. But at the same time, like you said, I, mean, I completely forgot Eric Stahl was a Buffalo Sabre. Like that's that gives you the indication of exactly how his season's gone. I completely forgot he was there. You're right. They went out, and I don't know what Hall was thinking. I don't know if maybe he's going to write a book or something. But like, <laughs> you know, the, the one year thing I kind of get because like, okay, fine, it's going to be a weird year. I'll come back next year and I'll do it again. That's fine. But like, then I don't know why Buffalo. Like, I just even before this. I didn't look at that team like this is going to be a really good team. Like they just, I didn't think they'd be this bad, but I also didn't think they'd be that good either. So they're, um, they're going to be the uh, the first team to rebuild in the middle of a rebuild. Like that, <laughs> like it's just it's yeah, right. it's one thing to like ter- being like, oh well, you know. I guess it's it's actually, we shouldn't laugh because I guess the Islanders were basically doing that right. from you know 2008 till 2013 or whatever. But <laughs> um, it's just it's I don't know how they I don't know how they pitch themselves into this count. Like it's. Yeah. What a mess. And uh, it's it's good for us because, you know, the, the, we, we were talking before the season started that, um, you know, even the Sabres and Devils are decent for the floor of the division. And obviously this division um, should should be playing like a lot tougher than it is. Like they, every team is kind of flawed, more flawed than than people realize, I guess, going into it. But, uh, yeah, the Sabres have been a bit of a blessing so far uh, right. this season. Yeah, no, it's been. Yeah, thank you. Thankfully for the Islanders, they got lucky that they played them the last three uh, you know, three times in the last week. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and, you know, Ralph Kruger, the coach is a, is a very likable guy, but yeah, I don't know how long he's going to, he's going to be there for. Um, but speaking of, of other immobile contracts, we've seen, you know, one thing that teams can do is put guys making those big contracts, that big money on waivers. And this weekend, we had two notable ones. Uh, one was Adam Henrique, uh, pseudo Islanders legend, as we call him. Uh, the Ducks put him on waivers. He's making, I believe, six million this year uh, and next year. 
And, you know, a couple of years ago, it's funny that now whenever I think of Adam Henrique, I think of a couple of years ago, you and I thought he would be like the perfect addition. And now with JT Pajot, they don't need Adam Henrique. But uh, people did did speculate, oh, I wonder if he would, you know, you know, uh, Lou Lamorello would sniff around. But again, he's making a lot of dough and the Islanders just don't have the cap space. But the other guy uh, that was put on waivers was Franz Nielsen, uh, a favorite of ours, a favorite of many Islanders fans. Um, you know, Dom was maybe the first uh, evangelist of the school of Franz, of the church of Franz. And he was talking about how great this guy was back when the Islanders stunk. And this guy was like a nobody called up from Bridgeport. And uh, he's turned, he turned into a heck of a fine player and he signed a big contract and has quite honestly not lived up to it with the Red Wings. And so they put him on waivers this weekend. Of course, nobody picked him up because he's still making 6 million a year. Uh, just like, Kyle Poso and just like Andrew Ladd all in that neighborhood, all signed the same year, that same summer. And uh, it hurt. Like it sucks to watch him be that way. And, you know, even Red Wings fans know that they haven't gotten the best of Franz Nielsen and are probably mad that they signed that contract. But I don't think they wanted to see this dude get dumped on waivers. I don't even know what's going on with him. I don't think they've assigned him to like Grand Rapids or I assume he's just on the taxi squad now, but uh, you know, it's tough to see that. Like he's such a likable guy and, you know, you can't fault him for chasing that money. Like he went and he got it. He got he got the payday everybody wants, and then immediately just that it all kind of dried up for him. It never really worked out the way that it had for the Islanders. You know, what are you gonna do? It's it's a shame. Um, like Franz, and, and this kind of goes for Oposo too, right? Like we just saw Kyle play, and and because of the way that 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 core ended, um, which is basically, you know, the onus is on one guy. <laughs> uh, who, but like those, you know, it's not that I've, I've fallen out of love with those guys. I still love Franz Nielsen and I love Kyle Poso, uh, and I always will, but like, I try, I don't think about them as much as I should because, you know, when I, when I watch highlights from that era, as good as, as great as some of the highlights are, I'm like, there he is. Like, and it's, and it's, the wound is still fresh. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like it's, mm it's not over yet because he isn't, he's still playing for beliefs and like, it's, it sucks, but um, it's, I need to, to kind of like get over it so I can start appreciating uh, the other guys that were around him uh, more. And, and so when, when you see Franz Nielsen get waved uh, it's, it, it did it like hit you in a little bit of a gut punch, right? Like uh, th- this guy, he played 10 seasons on Long Island, like 10, that, that, he wasn't just like four seasons, uh, in, you know, and then off, but he played 10, 10 years on Long Island. Uh, and just nobody, you couldn't find anybody who didn't like him, like mm-hmm. anybody. And he would, and he, it was, he kind of, it's, he became like a cult player outside of the Islanders. A, a lot of people started to kind of appreciate when people started to appreciate, um, you know, deeper stats, you know, Franz graded out great. Um, especially, you know, defensively and obviously the shootout stuff was, was always great, but, um, he, he, he started to like gain like a little bit of like become like hockey Twitter famous. Mm-hmm. And it was nice because Islander fans were like, no, we've been trying to say like, this guy is awesome. Like we love watching him play. He does everything right. He's, he just seems like he's such a team guy. Um, and then when he, him leaving uh, was just, it was, it really sucked too because it like, it signified like, you know, that, that era of the Islanders is over. Uh, and who knows this, you know, who else is going to leave because him and Oposo left within like hours of each other, basically. Right. Um, and it, it was just, it was so tough the way that that, that ended. And, and think I got, I couldn't have thought of a better place for him to go than Detroit because I was like, you know what? Like great. I love the, I don't love the Red Wings, but like, I respect like the Red Wings. I, mm. I they don't really bother me because they're never really kind of in the Islander universe. Like they, it's they sometimes were pretty good that year too. Yeah. They like, were they decent were playoff team that year. Yeah. And but it also it feels like they play in a completely different league than the Islanders. Like the right. Detroit Red Wings and New York Islanders do not play in the same hockey league. Uh, and you know it's like you know when you see Franz again, like he'll be on the Red Wings and you'll be like, all right, you got to root against him for this hour and a half or whatever, two hours, two and a half hours. But then you know you still love him. Uh, so, so like th- th- him going there was great, but just it just sucked the way that it it went out uh, or you know it played out. Um, and I, and I hope, I still hope like that somehow he ends up back here uh, in some capacity. I don't know if it'll be like as a coach or whatever, if like his contract like gets bought out, if they're, if, if that works for them, who knows? I don't know. But, um, 
and he comes like on a on a cheap like now you'll be like the 13th forward kind of guy just because and, and and i and i'm not lying to to myself I'm like i know that franz nielsen probably won't contribute that much if, if that happened but like you know just having him back like he's that kind of player that like I almost was like, I'll just take the contract. I don't care. I love him so much. Just take <laughs> well, we it. We talked about we'll that a couple later. years ago. We were on yeah. that on, on a podcast. Like, why not just bring him back? Like, trade Lad for him. Like, you know, these guys, their contracts are a wash anyway. Who the hell cares? You know, at least you get a guy who you like as a person, you know, and no, no offense to Andrew Ladd, but he's never really kind of ingratiated himself into Islanders fan culture the way some of these other guys have. And it just it didn't materialize. I could see him being like, in, like a, a European scout. I mean, I have no idea Franz and his wife and they have a baby now. They had a baby just as they, they were leaving the island. Uh, I don't know if he would move back to Denmark or Europe or I could see him playing in like Europe too. Uh, you know, like he'll be like 42 years old and playing for some team in the Swiss League. <laughs> just like, you know, still tearing it up. Um, still scoring uh, shootout goals with the backhand. Um, so I could see him doing something like that. But I don't think in a playing capacity he would ever come back. But I yeah. could see him just showing up one day and be like, well, Franz Nielsen's a scout for the Islanders. That's cool. He's, but he's just, he's one of those guys that like, and Oposo will be in the same camp. Like when, when their careers are over, they better be invited back to the Coliseum oh, yeah. or to UBS arena. Like the second that they're not affiliated with another team, like it's the second that it's done. I mean, same yeah. goes with Travis Hamannick. That I mean, that's the real shame about that whole thing is that the, the Islanders have, have had, they had such likable players who really did actually care Um about like the plight of the Islander fan. And, and I still think that's the case. You know, I, I heard Brendan say that the Islanders had only had five players on that, on the ice last night against the Sabres who played a game for another team. Hmm. And I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I'm like, that's pretty nuts. Like, I don't, I don't think most teams, like I'm watching Riley Shea play for the Sabres. He's played for 32 teams. Like he's, <laughs> he did a stint in the NBA for a minute right. and he's, and he's on the Sabres, like Eric Stahl, like all these guys who played, you know, elsewhere. And you got this, the Islanders who, uh, you know, for some reason, this team has developed this identity of being like, we're going to bring you in. You're going to fall in love here. And you're, you're probably not going to leave until like, you know, later, much later in your career, um, except for, you know, the one big exception. Um, but like when, when he said that, those guys came to my mind. I was thinking about like that, that team with Hamannick and Oposo and, and Nielsen. I mean, even like going back to, you know, and, and yes, Andrew McDonald ended up spectacularly flaming out um but like like those, that that group was just such a likable crew of uh underdogs and uh you thought about like the penguins game the, the fight night game and like the, you're like these guys are kind of instilling some pride on long island and, and in the coliseum again uh and and they they all deserve credit for for doing that because they were really the ones who dragged the islanders out of of the dark ages um and and did kind of spurn this new era and obviously franz nielsen uh, was a gigantic part of that. Yeah. Well, now that all that falls on the the fourth line, you know, Martin, Zizekas, Clutterbucket, like the 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 tie to that era. And I agree. I don't think that the these current Islanders don't feel that way. I think they do. I mean, Anders Lee in particular is a a great you know connection to the community, and obviously Josh Bailey's been here the entire time. But like, yeah, I, no, I, I agree. There there was something about those guys because they all came up at the same time. Like they're all about the same age. They all started in Bridgeport, like they all played down there, and they all got called up, and and you saw them all get drafted, and they all kind of you know, they all they all struggled at first too. I mean, all, yeah. not really Nielsen as much as the other guys, but like Bailey and Oposo and, and Hamannick, like uh, you know Hamannick not as much either, but like they struggled for a while. So um, yeah, you saw you saw them get better, and you saw them like you know become like all star level players. In Bailey's case, he actually played an all star game and, and Oposo too should have probably played an all star game. I mean, I remember whenever I think of Kyle Oposo, I remember the time when he, he had that what did he, he scored an overtime goal, I think. And uh we were chanting USA because Team USA had left him off the roster. And right. it was like, you know, we've seen this guy come from the draft through the minors to the Islanders and now we're pissed off that he's not on the Team USA, you know, Olympic roster. Like that's a long journey for that guy and it's one of the reasons why Kyle is still a player that people love, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I, another like weird thing about that era is that um, you forget, I know Matt, like when I watch Matt Barzell's rookie year, I always forget that he and Tavares crossed because yeah. like they just, it, it does seem like very too, like if you ever wanted like a draft, like a true line of demarcation between one era and the next, like, John Tavares gave us one. Like there is, there's no questioning that like this is a completely different era from the one that 
uh, was before he before he uh, you know cowardly walked off. Like this is this is completely different. And, and when you see those guys kind of cross, you're like, oh yeah, no, Barzell played with him, and hmm. uh, Beauvillier played with him, and so, like he was wearing number seventy two. <laughs> like this, they were they were uh, you know these these weird kind of moments of uh, realizing. And then you think about like who because like we were so in um you know kind of in love with guys like 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 Nielsen and Oposo and um Hamannick who who like you said like we watch go through all these growing pains then you forget that like you know Brock Nelson has been here forever and and mm. uh, Andrews Lee and like Lee? that's when yeah. Brendan said that I'm like oh my god like these guys are probably like Sidney Crosby just played his thousandth game like that's not we're we're not too far off from some like big numbers for for these guys who are who are one guy, one Jersey guys and like both sign contracts that kind of make you think like they might do it too. Like they, they might get, get, get across the finish line. Yeah. Um, uh, Billy's close. To yeah. Thousand games. But, and you, and you know, what's funny too, when, when you said that about, you know, the one, the one Jersey guy and everything, it's like, it, it reminded me, and I hate to bring this back to the Leafs one more time, but like the Leafs in the last two years have treated Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton as somehow like returning heroes coming back to their <laughs> ancestral home. And neither of these guys have ever played for the Leafs. I mean, the Spets have played, they both played for direct Leafs rivals in the Senators and Bruins, although Bruins for Joe Thornton was a long, long time ago. And they're treating them like they're, they're prodigal sons returning from whence they came. And meanwhile, you know, if, uh, if an Islander returned or like, you know, how many, how many, how many minutes on 31 thoughts do you think will be spent on Josh Bailey's 1000th career game or on, you know, Franz Nielsen, like, you know, uh, being waived. Like it's just not, it's not done. It just isn't done. It's only done for teams that get that kind of treatment. And the Islanders are not one of those teams. And I'll tell you, if if those guys ever did come back to the Island, it'd be like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Matt Martin coming back was a huge deal. It seemed kind of silly at the time, but you think about it ended up being pretty good. What you said about Sidney Crosby, like walking into your office, like, if Kyle Oposo walked into, you know, a deli on Long Island. Oh, yeah. It, like, it would go crazy. It, people, yeah. It, it, you know, maybe, sure, maybe not, not everybody would notice him. But, like, mm. the you know, if it was a Sunday morning and everyone's lined up to get their coffee and bagels uh, and go to the beach, like, you'd be damn sure. Like, there's going to be, like, a handful of Islander fans who are in there who, gonna, who might just start sobbing. Like, I think I would. Like, if Franz Nielsen, if I saw Franz Nielsen on, on Long Island, I, I, I would, you know, right. if, post post this you know, wave getting waved, I would just break down. Like I would probably give him a hug and be like, you know, like you, <laughs> you deserve so much better. And we thank you for mm-hmm. everything. And, and I want to be alone. I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. And that's, that's what's so great about like this franchise in, in its current form is that these guys have like truly given a lot to, to uh, this cause of ours. And, and that's why we, we like, we are the way we kind of are. Like we talk about it a lot. Like this is a, a community team much more than just a, something that was plopped down in the middle of a city because they're like, Oh, there's 700,000 people in the city. We need a hockey team there. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's why like people like Sean Bates, when he gets shown on the jumbotron, like the, <laughs> the, the house comes down. And, and that's why when, you know, if he could show Peter Regan on the, on the jumbotron and some people would be like, I love that guy. Like it, it's just, it's very, very different here. And, and that's the same kind of, if you flip it on its head, like the same way, the same reason we have these deep, hate this deep hatred for players like you know Sidney Crosby and whatever because I'm like you you well you've been ruining what I've been what we're working hard for over here so that's why I feel the way I do about you and uh Mm. man it's just yeah it's a it's a different different kind of existence that just it's 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 almost uh you know pointless to try to explain to to people who (laughs) who are like you know way above our hockey pay grade in terms of no like no I'll explain to you exactly why uh somebody threw a snake on the ice at John Tavares and it wasn't a crime. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, you know, speaking of, of explaining things and all that, I, it, it did occur to me when I was thinking about the Franz Nielsen, because again, I can't think about him without thinking about that whole summer, Oposo leaving, you know, Martin leaving, although he eventually came back and obviously the Islanders signing lad. Um, it's such a fat, that whole 2016 free agency class. There were a couple other guys too. I forget now that also signed like stupid contracts at that time. Um, and have all been disasters. And like, I guess somebody needs to write a book or do a podcast series or a 30 for 30 or something really examining this. Maybe it'll be me. I don't know if I ever find the time to, to breathe uh, with everything that we do. I'll do every single day these days. But, uh, 
you know, it's just such a fascinating thing. And especially when you look at the Islanders, because they, they lost three guys who, like you just said, like you just put very, very well, like three guys that were very much part of the fabric of the team. Like they had come up and had, you know, okay, fine. Like they, they made it to the second round of the playoffs. That was as far as they got, but like to get there from where they had started was like pretty monumental to lose those three guys, bring in another guy from another organization or two as the, you know, well, this is the guy that we need now to get to the next step uh, to play with our other guy who could leave in two years. Um, That didn't work out. The other guy left (laughs) in large part because the first two guys had left. And then, you know, the only person it really ever worked out for in a way was Matt Martin. And even he had to endure, you know, two years of playing under Mike Babcock, a guy who apparently didn't really want him there all that much and, and sitting in the press box before he could be, you know, freed to come back to where he shouldn't have left in the first place. So it's such a fascinating thing. It didn't, the, none of these contracts worked out for anybody. Nobody was satisfied. I guarantee if, you know, you talk to Andrew Ladd, he has not said he's not been satisfied with what I mean, he might like the Island and all, but like, this is not, what he envisioned his life would be when he signed that contract five years ago. And uh, it's just so fascinating how everything just kind of completely went sideways. Like it's really yeah. the only place to put it. Cause like, it just went sideways. If it wasn't for Barry Trotz, like where would the Islanders be without any of all those guys? Like, I don't, it's I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> it's a, it's a great point. I mean, we, we talk about them all the time, but like what? Yeah. If, if you think, if you really want to give yourself like some shivers, like, Barry Trotz doesn't come like that. The, the team was in such disarray, basically dating back to that moment, that mm. day of everyone walking away. Like it's, it's really kind of scary to think about like where this team would be, but yeah, I mean that, that day was weird because I, I remember exactly where I, I, I actually know who, it was actually Arthur Staple who, who broke the news to me that Franz wasn't going to come back. And um, just like in a Twitter DM, it was just like, he made a joke about something. I can't even remember, but I know I was like, I was working nights at the time. So I was like, you know, barely awake at whatever time it was in the morning. And I just like had to read the text or the DM like six times over and over again to be like, crap, like he's actually leaving. Like this sucks. And then, and then it just all like snowballed from that moment on. You're like, holy shit. Like I got to now unpack all these feelings I had for Franz Nielsen and Kyle Oposo who, who like, I I think just are, were two of the most likable players of my lifetime. Uh, And like I said, I probably don't give them enough credit for for that right now, just because of of, of uh, the the wound from Tavares. Like, mm. and when when hopefully that's done and he doesn't, you know, knock on wood, do anything of note with Toronto. Like, <laughs> then I can revisit those things better in a better in a better headspace. But um, just like that day, just snowballed so quickly, yeah. and you had to unpack those feelings and then try to make sense of holy shit, like Andrew Ladd, like, this is weird. This is very strange. Yeah. Like, he's like, just, there are guys who like, you, you, I can't, you know, picture as Islanders, you know, mm. have Sidney Crosby, Alex, like those kind of guys. Like, uh, cause I'm like, yeah, they would never come to Long Island. And then, but Andrew Ladd, like, you know, like, like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like this does, yeah. does not make any sense that this guy's here. Uh, and, and especially in that way of losing mm. two, two or three very beloved players and then replacing them with this guy who I'm like, what, dude, you're, you're like a mid middle of the continent player. Like you got to go right. back. You got to go play for like Nashville or something, please. It, to, to me, it wasn't even so much like the shock was one thing. And I was like, okay, I got it now. I remember listening to Franz call into like NHL network or whatever, talk about signing with Detroit. And to me, what made it worse was finding out all the little details. Like they didn't really you know, Garth Snow at the time didn't really approach Oposo with an offer. Like he never really gave him a formal offer. Franz, he waited to the last minute to present with a formal offer. And by that point, he had already kind of, his mind had already kind of wandered to like, hmm, where else can I play? And then with Ladd, it was like, you know, they drove him around. Doug Waite gave him the tour of the schools and everything. And then he signs for basically the same exact thing that Oposo signed for. So it's like, well, if you didn't want to give that money to Oposo, what what makes you want to give it to this guy? I guess the two Stanley Cups probably number you know reasons number one and two, but there's all those little details that I'm still kind of struggling with today. And I don't know, man. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's funny how that that moment that summer still to this day really really was a formulative thing because again, Tavares doesn't walk away without if those two guys get signed, he probably gets signed too. And I mean, mm-hmm. are they a better team now with those three guys? 
I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard to say, really, considering especially what happened to Oposo and Nielsen. Tavares probably is still fine, but like, I think he'd be making twelve million dollars right now. Like, it's crazy. So yeah, uh, yeah, that day. Uh, yeah, and 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 not just like the details thing is spot on, right? I I I couldn't. I my I was going crazy reading like the little things that come out. And, yeah, and those once again are, are things that you know you have to be deep in the Islanders' weeds to to <laughs> to realize like that the Islanders kind of screwed the pooch with those guys. Um, and like you said, basically just traded one con- contract expensive player forward at a kind of similar uh, part of his career for another who had no ties to the franchise. Mm. Um, and then, yeah. And, and now obviously we're still dealing with the con. I mean, we're not the only team dealing with the contract, like the Red Wings mm. are dealing with that and, and the Sabres obviously. And it wouldn't be surprising to see Kyle Poso get waived and, and we'll have the same conversation yeah. over again <laughs> in, in, in oh, you know, a couple of weeks. And uh, just, really you know, tears. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but like, when it's but it's um in in like a weird way like it's 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 nice to that i don't want to say this like but but it's, it was nice that it happened just because it did like bring me back to to uh like a place of like just really loving franz nielsen again being like oh man like i remember his debut i think he scored a shootout goal in his debut i think uh ted nolan might have like been like <laughs> sent him out in a shootout because he you know franz was like lighting it up uh, maybe it wasn't his like actual debut, but like in, in pretty quickly after thereafter, uh, and and he had like longer hair and whatever, and his, his jersey always looked too big for him. Um, but uh, like you know, it brought brought all those memories back, and uh, it 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 was nice, like because you, like it 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 before this episode when it, when I knew we were talking about Franz, like I and like took a quick look at his Wikipedia, and, and when I saw that said he played ten seasons with the Islanders, I was like, damn. Like, mm. I don't appreciate that enough. Like that's, that's <laughs> 10 years, 10, those are tough years. Like right. he crossed paths with Jeff Tambellini and like, and, uh, you know, and Josh Bailey and uh, you know, Evgeny to back up. Like he's, he's played with, you know, all the guys that basically I've loved from, from ever. So like this, it's, it's uh, it, it, it did, you know, kind of, I did appreciate seeing his name, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and a little bit just because he's a, he's a player who deserves, um, he, I mean, I, I would, you know, retire his number. I would do everything. I would rename UBS Arena after him. I'd do whatever <laughs> to to appease Franz. But like in in serious, more serious terms, like he he deserves like kind of like the same treatment that Kenny Onsen gets. Like that kind, he's that kind of level of an Islander. Right. Yeah. Um. I will leave you uh, with this. My favorite, possibly my favorite piece of Franz Nielsen trivia. He was drafted by Mike Milbury. That's how long he'd been with the Islanders. He was, I think, part of Milbury's last final draft. And I feel like if they were in a car together, like, say, taking a cab, <laughs> maybe an elevator, I don't think Mike Milbury would recognize who Franz Nielsen is. Like, he wouldn't even say anything. You yeah. know, it just, and this is the guy who gave us Franz Nielsen in, in, in a way, you know, which is Mike's parting gift. After everything he did... You know, I mean, I guess it's 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 small consolation that he did leave us with one one actual good player who stuck around for a long time <laughs> until his successor uh, let him go. But there you go. Okay, well, this was a very cathartic hour, I think, of uh, Islanders talk. I don't think we actually solved anything, and I don't know what to expect. Well, you, they don't, nobody comes here to, to solve sense to get anything solved. Yeah, you know, we're we're uh, not gonna we're not gonna solve the the power play, which has been clipping pretty well actually lately. Yeah. They, they, yeah. We're back to the we're back to the Islanders only get one or two power plays a game mode, yeah, which is like, that, yeah. no. like wait, wait, it just because yeah. I think Arthur Staple brought it up in an article earlier in the year. Like he's like, well, like the, the Islanders are drawing more penalties now than they did last year when they had like a hilariously low. And I think someone read that article and was like, oh yeah, like we're not supposed to be calling penalties. Yeah, for these Steve Walkham, the the uh, director of officiating, was like, well, we can't let this happen. Who, who did this? He's, emailing around his friends this like article at the athletic what what is going on here you gotta fix this yeah they're back down to like one one or zero power plays per game so that being said their power play is looking pretty but pretty yeah. good considering the, the lack of uh of opportunities but yeah uh speaking of uh our friend art uh and guys making good coin right now uh he has an article today about adam pellick's possible next contract which it's going to come up next year and you know he's an interesting case we'll have to see that's a whole other episode we won't talk about him right now but uh that's a whole other episode to see. And uh, I just found out today of the existence of a great Instagram account. If you're on Instagram, go to uh, Daily Pellick. Is it Daily Pellick, I think? Uh, and it's just pictures of, of Adam Pellick every single day. I'm not kidding. There's over 400 
pictures of Adam. But yeah, it's Daily Pellick on Instagram. The person who runs it, I don't know who they are. They post a diff- uh, the same picture of Adam Pellick every single day. And he's, they've been doing it for over 400 days. So there you go. You can't ask for better Instagram content than that, I would say. So check that out. And uh, yeah, hopefully the, they could bring Adam Pellick back on a, on a pretty good uh, contract. He's already on a great contract uh, considering what he does. So uh, we'll have to see how that, how that goes. But uh, it's going to be a tough negotiation. Okay. Um, Islanders game Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I think the Tuesday after that. Uh, so we'll have to figure out a time to speak again. Um, it's not going to get any easier, but uh, you know, the Islanders are going to have to find some, some ways to, uh, to pick up some points against some pretty tough customers. So that's mm-hmm. uh, not going to be easy. And, and uh yeah, and we're going to be uh, into March, which is fun. Oh, yeah, so the Islanders, yeah, they play Saturday, Sunday uh, against the Penguins, and then they play Tuesday in New Jersey. So, And then it's three more games against the Sabres. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you oh, didn't hate actually, them before, you will now. So. One one thing I did, I did just really quickly want to bring up was that uh, you know, I, I, we were talking about Wallstrom last week, and I was like, oh, oh I can't think of a trigger-happy, more trigger-happy Islander, or the last time the Islanders had a – uh, more trigger happy player and, and uh, two people Dom had said Jason Blake I believe and then uh, Rich who who listens to us all the time said Thomas Vanek and I think Vanek is probably a good answer there like yeah even he you know, it was pretty quick obviously with Thomas but uh, he, he, he basically just got the puck from Tavares and shot so yeah <laughs> I wonder if people know that Thomas Vanek was an Islander that's, that's a question <laughs> that's a man on the street question you know right. at, at the NHL draft you know when you're walking the red carpet or something I'm gonna you know, Maybe tell, he was uh, that other stupid contract in 2016. Was that the year he signed with Minnesota and then he got waived? Might have been. Uh, Might have been. Yeah. All right. We'll have to. We'll have to go through all this at some other time. Uh, but uh, we thank you so much for listening. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike there. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. And uh, yeah, just. Hold on to your butts for Thursday and then the weekend and hope that uh, the whatever version of the Islanders played on Monday night uh, doesn't show up again. Although hopefully they get the two points uh, like they did inexplicably that <laughs> night. Let's never revisit uh, that one again. Uh, but we will talk to you again next week sometime. So thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.